Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the first Sunday of Christmas for the week of December 29th, 2019, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because this will then be the last episode of year two of the podcast, and it's Christmas. What better things to be bringing together if I'm remembering correctly, and I've looked this up before, it's December 30th is the birthday of the podcast. So I'm excited that we have again had this journey together working through these texts and I'm excited for year three. I'm excited to dig into Matthew's text as I've stated before. I'm excited to see where this is going. I know there's goals and aspirations that I still have and at times I have to slow my roll and at times I feel like I need to step it up for you guys. So I'm excited what 2020 is going to bring. I hope that you're excited about the upcoming year. And I think there is a lot of things to be excited about. And in a world where we're looking at things so pessimistically, I think there are times just a simple year change is such a optimistic thing. It can give us so much joy and so much life. And for a moment, look with optimism. And it's Christmas. What better time to be optimistic and to think about things positively and think about the ways we can make a change than during Christmas. But before we jump into it, I think we need to get back to the Twitter question for last week. And the Twitter question last week was, where have you done or will do an adoption in your life? And we got a response this week talking about how we can adopt, especially as we get older, kids. And I know for me, there's been different role models, different figures, different people who I've looked up to who I can tell in different forms or fashion has kind of adopted me in, especially in certain regards. I know in the birding community, there has been definitely people who've kind of figuratively and literally taken me under their wing to help provide support, whether it was just providing a sandwich and some lunch when we were out birding, to being able to give advice, being able to help me learn some new identification markers, different things of that nature. But I think at times we have to look at adoption at a much broader scale, and I think in a way it really helps us this time of year to understand the different blessings and gifts that we have been given, and being able to realize that and rationalize that to maybe help us be a gift to someone else. So one of the ways I know we've talked about before, but just if you're some type of landowner, you have been given the adoption of the land to take care of and to maintain and to take care of. Very much like a Genesis 1-2 type of idea. It could be children. It could be adults. It can be a pet. It can be different things that you're passionate about. I think in a way it can be a type of an adoption. I know for me, I'm a vintage drum guy. I really like vintage drums and Part of that to me is also kind of an adopting a drum, kind of taking on that drum, taking care of that drum, but also trying to help maintain as much of the history with that drum as I can. As much as I know, being able to pass that along when I move the drum to the next owner, being able to try to help maintain it and keep it in the way the best we can. Kind of like how scripture is helping us understand the character of who Jesus was 
and is through these texts, being able to see and understand when he first came, how did he walk? How did he do things? How did things go on? How did this change society? How did this shake things up? And I think at times we have to look at an adoption in this broader scope of how did this make things happen? How did this change things? And what does this all mean? So let's dig into this week's text. The gospel text will be out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. And I think this is really kind of an interesting text to have immediately after Christmas this week. And I hope all of you had a Merry Christmas and are looking forward to the new year. But Jesus is a man on the run. You have the angel appearing to Joseph saying, Herod's going to take this really seriously and try to destroy all these kids. Flee to Egypt. And so Herod, the king, decides to try to kill all kids two years and younger. And when he dies, when Herod eventually dies, an angel comes back and tells him to come back to the land of Israel. But there's Archelaus there ruling over Judea. So then they have to kind of move into the district of Galilee, into the town of Nazareth, which then is fulfilling Old Testament prophecy of he will be a Nazarene. And again, this is one of those texts, as you look through it and as it goes through, there is lots of calls to this is supporting claims that were said by different prophets. And this is something we're going to have with Matthew throughout the year. He is very much about bringing the Old Testament and New Testament together. The prophet said this, this is what Jesus is doing. Essentially kind of the proof case or his support for his hypothesis, if you want to put it that way into science terms, Jesus is the Messiah. Here is my evidence to support this claim. And so as you look through this reading, you will notice that there's a lot of support claims for Jesus being, this is supporting what the prophets had said. So you get that even in verse 15, out of Egypt, I will call my son coming out of the end of it. You have verse 18, the whole verse is talking about the lamentations and how what's going on after Herod said he's going to kill all these children. There is multiple different things, but it's also Joseph being able to hear the call and not really questioning it, just doing it and just going. So there's a lot in this text. And it's a really fun text to take a look at. Again, we don't focus on this part of Jesus's life very much. And I think it's a really unique opportunity to be able to talk about it and to think about it because we don't talk about the young ages of Jesus very much. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 through 9. I will tell you as you're reading through this, it definitely sounds like a New Testament style reading to me. And it's talking about how the Lord has done so much for the house of Israel and showing mercy and abundance of steadfast love. And that as we continue to trust in the Savior, he will continue to bring us through. And so it's kind of supporting the claim of what we have 
looking back and knowing what's going to happen. But it's also one of these texts that I think if you just randomly pulled out, I think a lot of people would see it as a New Testament type of text because it sounds very New Testament, very much supporting what Christ has done. And we have to remember at this text, this is before Christ came. So again, this is kind of supporting or providing claims for Christ. The psalm this week is Psalm 148. And this is where you also see one of the other themes that you're getting. And it's in the gospel text also of boundaries and where does Jesus need to go. But we have this whole kind of comparing, contrasting on what is God doing and where's the separation. So praise him in the highest heavens, you waters above the heavens, which is a reference to at that time, how science thought was, was that there was an ocean above us. That's where the rain came from. But that's coming out of verse 4. Praise the Lord from the earth. You see monsters of the deep fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy and wind fulfilling by his command, mountains and hills. Going through all these different things and giving praise to God. And yet we see these contrasting things coming together and that we're yet they're all still praising God. And that the boundaries that we may be seeing, the thing that's above all of it is praising God. The second reading is from Hebrews chapter 2 verses 10 through 18. And again, this is bringing through and where I see this. Yes, you can see boundaries, but where I'm going to kind of spin our argument and our discussion today is looking at and seeing how the sufferings that Christ will go through. Remember Hebrews coming after the crucifixion and the salvation that happens that realizing that what Christ did for us and that he did all of this out of love for us and that by putting trust in him, we're continuing to build upon what has been from our descendants of Abraham, but also realizing that Christ was willing to sacrifice himself, not just in the physical form, but the different things that he had to do to be able to get to that point for us. And that it's out of love. It's this process of what Christ is all about and showing the character of who God is to us that's so important. And that reading to me, I think, is really powerful and really interesting to think about as we try tying faith and science together. But before we get into that, I have to do my shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, having four seminary professors who teach pastors to be able to preach on a typical Sunday. I would highly recommend it. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help steer me on bringing you this podcast week after week. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. And again, you're on Christmas break. If you're looking for a TV show to get into, to dig into, I'd recommend God Friended Me. There's a lot of these different boundaries, as we'll talk about, that are in that show that get brought up. But also, I think it's a really interesting show to see how God works through the typical person. And the different things that we may not see as significant, that God works through them to be able to bring his good and how 
our typical lives and through our daily lives, God is working. So if you haven't checked out God Friend of Me on CBS, I'd highly recommend it. Like I stated, I think this is a really interesting text because we don't have a ton of stories about young Jesus. We have this story then coming in about Jesus fleeing. And this doesn't seem significant except that we know that if Christ died at this point, the ministry is over. We don't have what Christ becomes. And that's where, to me, where we get these praise psalms and remembering Christ's sufferings in the other texts because he was willing and especially Joseph in this case, was willing to listen and do what God had commanded. And I don't think we talk about that as much, especially being a younger person. One of the things that just reaches out and grabs me with this is remembering yet again that Mary and Joseph are teenage kids. They're probably barely getting by to begin with. And then you have angels coming and talking to you and saying, uproot your family and go. And in a few years, we'll talk to you that you need to uproot your family again and come back. That you have suddenly this story, this narrative of uncertainty that we don't really talk about a ton. And as being a person in my later 20s now, I can relate to this feeling, relate to the idea of getting out of college and not knowing what the heck to do with my life. And I can only imagine, but somewhat can relate to what Joseph and Mary must be feeling, except I didn't have a child with it. Newborn parents constantly being told where to go by an angel and just believing in it and meantime still having to figure out how to make ends meet. I think this is a story that has a lot of human interaction, human elements to it. And I think it helps us see and understand the human element of God, of Jesus, that he even had to go through something like this. It makes our Savior much more human. And this isn't the first time that we've seen things like this. And to be honest, there is a lot of scientists who in various different parts of their lives had to flee, had to move for whatever reason, because somebody wasn't happy with them about something. So they had to move. One that comes immediately to mind to me is a character and a person that we've talked about before being Johannes Kepler. And I will attach a video down below kind of going through the biography of his life. But he is an astronomer that studied the stars and helped us prove Copernicus's model and understanding of how we circle the sun and the formations and the way that we circle the sun. But multiple times throughout his life was somewhat persecuted against for his Lutheran faith and not converting to Catholicism and at multiple different points from multiple different people who he was employed for had to flee for his life to different parts of the country or different countries all of their own because of his faith. And this is a decent example, but the issue that we run into is it was in a way so long ago. We're talking nearly 500 years ago. 
And there's a lot of science, especially within the last hundred years, that we can use to help understand what this might look like. Because there's significant figures who, within science, who help develop and change the world as we see it. And yet, at different points of their life, they couldn't focus on the science. They had to focus on fleeing for their lives. So the first few that I'm going to go through here, I'm going to just give you a quick summary of who they are. But a lot of these deal with Nazi Germany, how the Nazi party was so hard on our brothers and sisters in the Jewish faith and in ways then had to totally change how these people's lives were running at that point and suddenly had to worry about self-preservation and life compared to the science and where could they go to continue on with the study of what they were doing. So some examples of this would be Sigmund Freud, who is one of the founders of modern-day psychology, Albert Einstein, the great physicist that helped revolutionize our ideas of how the universe works. Karl Popper, who is a philosopher who helped bring philosophy and the modern ideas on how scientific thinking work, came from him. Edith Bolberg, who was a scientist who studied smooth muscle phylogeny, which has then been the basis for helping us understand how blood pressure works within our bodies. Salome Glückchen Welsh was a pioneer for modern genetics and understanding how genetics and genetic diseases and developmental diseases happen and how they work. Max Perutz is the guy who helped figure out how hemoglobin and what the structure looks like. And hemoglobin is what carries oxygen throughout the body in the red blood cells. So a huge discovery in figuring out how our body works. Carl Gerasi, a significant figure, especially within the women's movement of being able to be the inventor of the pill or being able to have a contraceptive pill to be able to help control pregnancies. Dame Stephanie, quote, Steve Shirley, an early pioneer in computing and was a very early and early in her life had to flee from, again, Nazi Germany. But Nazi Germany isn't the only one who has been at different times oppressive that has made it so that you had to have scientists to be able to continue their research move. We have scientists such as George Raddus, who is working on nuclear magnetic resistance, which helps study biological processes, which help lead to the current MRI machine. We have people like Emmanuel Dagla, who was working on different environmental toxicology and what are these different things going on within our environment and had to flee the war-torn country of the Republic of Congo in the late 90s. We have San Thang, who has Vietnamese and Chinese descendants and had to flee Vietnam for Australia. 
he with the team has helped develop the raft process which is creating polymers that help making self-cleaning and scratch-proof devices and as you can imagine this has been in multiple different forms from paints and oils all the way to technology as in cell phones and different things of that nature Sergey Brin, who is one of the founders of Google, had to flee where he was born in Soviet Russia to be able to pursue his goals and dreams of what he was aspiring to be. And this is just a small capsule of what some of scientists who have had to go through this, the different boundaries that they suddenly had to flee to get out of that territory, these arbitrary lines, to be able to continue the work that they were working on to be able to do. And this is what, to me, helps us relate to Jesus. In order for these scientists to be able to become where we're remembering them or looking on them fondly as they are still living today with the accomplishments that they have made, a lot of that wouldn't have been done if they hadn't been able to flee. The other one that I will think about and discuss, and again, it kind of brings in boundaries, is in a way, migration of any type of animal, in a way, is a type of fleeing. Realizing that they cannot stay where they currently are because there wouldn't be enough food, because it's too cold for them, because of various different environmental factors so they have to flee or migrate to another section of the globe to be able to maintain and yet we look forward to the return of these migrating species when they come back it's one of the things that i know i look forward to and we get it here in minnesota in both ways there's summer species that i get really excited about coming back but then there's winter species like great gray owls and snowy owls that I don't get to see during the summer, but they migrate down this way during the winter. I think there is a point of understanding that this migration, this chasing something is important. In this case, Jesus, it was like a mammal or an animal it was survival, but it was also a major part of Jesus becoming who he is and realizing how he has to stand in a way in the face of this political culture. But at this point, he can't do that yet. He's still figuring out his calling and how to interact and do that. And we see in science, in plenty of cases, how many scientists had to flee to be able to continue doing their work and continue being able to do what they felt they were needing to be done, but for whatever reason was being persecuted against in some form or some fashion. It's a rough place to be. In a world that politically is really charged about refugees, really charged about figuring out where we're from, 23andMe and trying to define where in the world is my heritage from. I think we get things like this text that help us understand that that's a part of our identity, but it isn't our whole identity. Jesus born in Bethlehem, descendant of David the king, is suddenly having to flee to Egypt 
We don't see Jesus as an Egyptian. And then when he comes back to his homeland, he ends up in a district of Galilee being from a town of Nazareth, so he's a Nazarene. His identity somewhat changed in this, but his calling and what he was there for was still being understood by him, but the mission remained the same. Sometimes we have to understand and look beyond and look past where things may look difficult. Things might not be easy to understand. And like we talked about, it had to be hard for Mary and Joseph to fully grapple with why is God choosing us, choosing this time, choosing all these factors for us to have this child that apparently is super important. Our timing and God's timing are things that we can debate and go through, but we realize that God's timing is better than whatever timing we think he should have. And that's where if God tells us to flee, we have to, no matter how hard that is. The Twitter question I want you to think about this week is when have you had to not necessarily flee, but relocate, we'll put it that way, for God to do what he wants to do with you. So when or where have you been called to relocate for God to continue working with you? I know there's times in our lives that that's really difficult and I've gone through it myself. But I think it's also realizing that Jesus was a refugee at points. Some of these great scientific figures that we look to and look up to, we have glorified and gloss over the times when they were a refugee. And at times, even with animals and migration, we look at and think about how amazing it is but don't necessarily always realize the work to migrate the great distances that some of these birds and animals migrate. It's not easy, and there's probably plenty of questions on why we have to do this. I think this week, when we're dealing with this text, it's okay to end with the question of why, and that the only thing we can respond is that God is working on something and I'm still figuring it out. And isn't that what faith is? Isn't that what life is? Sometimes we have to have the faith to realize that God is doing something and that that's going to be okay and that's enough to trust, to listen to an angel and say, get the heck out of there and go. To have a dream and say, now go back and things are still going to be a little weird, but it's better now so you can go back. It's okay. And just doing it. Welcome to the crazy world of faith. And sometimes that's the beautiful and crazy thing about the whole thing. And Jesus' life was no different. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. And Happy New Year, and I'll see you in 2020.